Hello and welcome back to the Disciples. This is our third episode, and uh, if you're just starting with this one, uh, go back and listen to the first two. Yeah. Uh, but if you've listened to the third to the first two, uh, we're happy to have you with us here for the third one. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Let's let's talk about rules, etiquette, everything that you want to know um, about disc golf slang. Maybe you've started playing disc golf and you're like man these people are weird they're talking a different language and it's not english you're not wrong <laughs> disc golfers like their slang uh i don't know that i've seen more slang in other sports uh disc golf is such a such a niche slang sport but there's a lot of it so we're gonna we're gonna tell you a little bit about what you need to know about the main terms and and rules and stuff that will help you kind of understand disc golf and disc golfers a little bit better today. Um, so let's jump, let's jump into it. Um, the first thing we want to talk about that is going to help you guys a lot is uh, different types of shots that you can throw. So last episode, we kind of went through, um, you know, what, what discs naturally do and like what overstable means, what understable means, how you, how you can throw those things. But there are a lot of different types of shots. Um, so we also mentioned that, you know, whereas golf, you know, you can add some topspin or backspin or even some curve. Disc golf is so much different. You can have, you know, a hyzer angle. You can have a disc that goes on, on a straight angle. You can have a disc that does an S in the air. You can have a disc that, you know, starts on one angle, stands up to flat, goes to the other angle, hits the ground, and then once it hits the ground, it starts doing different things. And a disc so understable it barrel rolls if you throw it too hard. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So you know, you probably if you you know have fallen into some of those common problems that we talked about last episode, um, you might have realized that discs go left most often, <laughs> um, if you, especially if you have overstable discs that you're trying to throw. Um, so you can use that to your advantage. Um, and it's way more interesting, I think, than if they had made all discs to go perfectly straight. Um, so there are, there are a couple different basic types of shots. Um, the first is that we'll go over is a hyzer. A hyzer shot, like we kind of explained in the last episode, starts on a hyzer angle where the outside edge of the disc is lower to the ground, um, and follows the natural bend of the, the flight path. Um, for a right hand back, hand player it's going to emphasize the disc going left at the end um and maybe it's going to curve around some object that you're trying to throw around and then go left um but you know there's that's that's kind of the stock disc golf shot it's it's most often what you're going to see people learn to throw best first i think um unless they're maybe a forehand dominant player then you might see some flex shots but hyzer shots are, are pretty natural for most people um so depending on the type of hyzer shot you're trying to do, you're going to want to use different discs. Um, if you're trying to go really, really, really far left um, as a right-hand backhand player, um, you're going to want to choose an overstable disc. Um, that's really going to help you. You're not going to have to put it on a crazy extreme angle with, and contort your body to get it to, to move left like you want it to. Um, but, you know, it, it also comes down to your, your decision and what, what feels good to you, what discs you like to throw. Um, sometimes you want to throw on the hyzer angle where you start and you put your body on, on that plane where the outside edge of the disc is lower, but you want it to still go kind of straight or go right. Maybe that's just natural for you. For me, um, I definitely prefer to throw on at least a little bit of hyzer. Um, I, so I tend to throw discs that are 
understable enough and have the tendency to go right so that I can put it on that hyzer angle and then it'll stand up to flat. Um, often that's, that's what you call and what we define as a hyzer flip. Um, when your disc starts on that hyzer angle, you throw it, it holds that for a second and then flips up and rides flat and either hyzers back out, goes straight or goes right. Super, super helpful thing to do um, if you're in the woods and you want to get through a gap that's kind of skinny. Um, a lot of people feel more comfortable throwing through gaps on hyzer. Um, or if you want to get some extra distance, it helps you a lot to throw hyzer flips. Um, so when you're starting out, the best way to throw a hyzer flip is with a really understable disc. Um, it's going to show you exactly how to do it. It's going to do it on its own most of the time as long as you put it on that hyzer angle. Um, and then the next type of shot is really just a neutral shot, um, just throwing something really straight. One of the most, absolutely one of the most helpful and useful shots in disc golf. If you can't throw straight, you're going you're gonna to probably have some issues, <laughs> especially if you go to any course that has trees in it. Um, uh, the main other type of shot that you're going to be throwing for a right-hand backhand is an Anheuser shot where, like we said in the last episode, that outside edge of the disc um, that's farthest away from your, bo from your body is um, tilted up um, or, or higher from the ground than the other end. Um, and that's going to force the disc um, to ride kind of right and push to the right, um, especially if it's a neutral or understable disc. If it's not an understable disc, if it's more overstable and you put it on an Anheuser, it's going to do what we call a flex shot or um, uh, or an, uh, an S-curve or a full flight, um, which means that the disc is going to go to the right first out of your hand, and then it's going to swing back in a big S-shot and go back to the left. Um, super, super helpful shot um, in getting distance and curving around certain um, obstacles, especially in the woods, um, other stuff like that. Um, you want to tell us, Carter, about some of the other... Um, Uncommon shots and and maybe some forehand, forehand stuff. Oh, that me me doing forehand stuff. Uh, <laughs> so uh, other types of like, I guess we talk about overhand shots. Um, so there's a hammer, uh, which is probably one of the, I would say the most commonly used overhand shot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the hammer essentially you uh, flip the disc upside down, uh, and throw it in like a chopping motion above your head um and this is uh this is more of a utility shot um you're gonna use this for either getting out of someplace tricky um or um what are going over things that are really high um if you need to go like up and straight down it can be really yeah. helpful um andrew thorne uh who is the head of dual enrollment on our campus um just might be one of the best 15 people in the world for throwing hammer shots. He, I, I, he's aced several holes with a hammer shot, which is basically just like insane because essentially you throw it over your head. It does a barrel roll and it goes straight down. Uh, so he just smashed it into the basket at that. Yeah. Um, won some money for it too. I, I, I want to get better at those. Yeah, he he inspires me to get better at them. They're super useful. Yeah, especially it's really useful in the woods as well. Yes, um, because it gives you like a curved uh, shot, kind of like throwing a hyzer flip and trying to get that S curve. Except you don't have to actually be able to hyzer flip the disc. Um, it just kind of naturally does that S curve and then spikes into the ground and uh, for the most part just stays where it lands. Yeah. 
Um, so it's a very useful shot. Um, there's a, there's a scuba, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of similar, except instead of going over your head, uh, you do it more from the opposite shoulder. Uh, so if you're a left hand or a right-handed player, sorry, uh, you'll put the disc over to your left shoulder and throw it upside down. And this, um, it doesn't really get like the same kind of curve, but it it is like a soft shot that just kind of like sits wherever it lands, and it's a pretty useful shot. Yeah. Um, Rollers are super great, yeah. um, especially if you're. Um, trying to get huge, 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 massive, crazy distance. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just, you know, go under a bunch of low-hanging branches or something like that. Um, typically with a roller, you're going to want to throw it with something, especially when you're starting out with something that's really, really understable. Um, and you want to throw it on an Anheuser angle, um, kind of at the ground, somewhat in front of you. Um, and once the disc hits the ground, it typically hits it on almost like a 45 degree angle, depending on where you want it to go. And then ideally stands up and, and keeps rolling straight forward and then curves a little bit at the end. Um, super, super great shots um, once you learn how to throw them. My other, that that's a backhand roller, um, but another super useful shot is the forehand roller. Um, forehand roller is basically like throwing a forehand, but you're throwing it almost like more like a football throw where it's kind of over your shoulder um, and you're throwing it um, ideally with an, a super overstable disc and you're trying to land it on the ground kind of just not quite all the way straight up and down um, on a little bit of a uh, leaning to the right if you're a right-handed player, leaning to the left if you're a left-handed player. These are really, really wonderful in the woods. If you're, you know... Mm -hmm. um, trying to get through a billion trees. Uh, I call it millennium falconing the, the disc um, through, the, through the gaps. You know, you essentially are making the gaps a whole lot bigger um, by going through it vertically as opposed to going through it um, horizontally. Um, so I really enjoy, I probably throw forehand rollers too much and off too many tees. Then every, every time I try to throw a roller <laughs> on purpose, it doesn't go well. For me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Typically if you're throwing more than a couple forehand rollers, it's you're you're not going your way for that round. Um, they're definitely help scramble shots. Um, yeah. Super, super helpful. Um, a grenade shot is a, is a kind of a new shot that's really up and coming. Um, in disc golf world, a lot of people are starting to throw them more as stock shots. Basically, with, an, with a grenade shot, you are holding the disc upside down on a backhand. Um, so your thumb is on the inside of the rim when it's upside down. And you're throwing it kind of straight up and down, essentially. Um, and when you throw it up in the sky, upside down, it basically comes straight down. <laughs> Um, it's like a mortar. I would say it's more of like a mortar than a grenade. I don't know why people call them grenades. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But um, yeah, it's up, straight up, straight down, sticks right where it lands. There's there's so much backspin on it and it's moving forward that there's basically no chance of it doing anything other than just staying exactly where it lands, which is super helpful um, in a lot of holes. Um, another shot that's an overhand shot is a... Uh, thumber shot, which is basically the same shot as a hammer, but uh, the disc is, I guess, technically right side up, where your thumb is on the inside rim of the disc 
kind of like an upside down forehand almost. Um, and you throw it and it does the same thing as a hammer, but basically reversed and it swoops uh, the other direction. Um, so just a, a nice way to be able to throw both of those. Um, yeah. I mean, now that we've like talked about like a bunch of different kinds of shots, um, we're going to get into uh, like how like which shots should we use and where right um but like a lot of this is pretty much like what can you do what how far can you throw which shots can you throw uh are you comfortable with throwing backhand mm -hmm. uh are you comfortable with throwing uh forehand like for example i am an only backhand player uh, currently and i'm trying to work on developing a forehand so all those uh forehand shots for me like, I, I just can't do them, so I never use them. Um, so just, like, know which shots you can do uh, and go out and practice. Absolutely. Um, practice different kinds of shots and just kind of see, like, what your discs do with those specific kinds of shots. And then uh, you can start taking that onto the course. Uh, you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're playing in rounds, playing if you're playing in competitions, um, you really want to lean on you know, your most comfortable shots. Yeah. So for me, I practice and throw 300, 350 and in putter shots dead straight. Like that is my favorite thing to throw. I will always love throwing those shots. Um, and so it's a shot that I can trust. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to push that too terribly far. Um, if, I've got a, if I've got a shot and I'm like, well, I really like throwing my putters, but it's, I need to go 500 feet you know, that's, well, I'll, I'll use more real, realistic. <laughs> like if I, if I need to go 400 feet over water, I'm not going to be throwing a putter straight. Um, even if it is a straight shot, I'm, I, there are ways to use, to use reason. And you, you guys probably are figuring that out. Um, but yeah, like I, I always like to say, throw the shot that makes the most sense. Um, yeah. and that can be both for you, but also, you know, just how is the hole designed? I mean, if you're, if it's in the woods and it's a par four and it's 600 feet and you can see the basket, don't go for the basket. <laughs> you know, you're not going to, you're not going to throw it all the way there. And because if you do try, you're going to find yourself in a terrible position because you're going to go way off into the woods or you're going to hit a tree or something like that. So you want to, you want to pick the shot that makes the most sense. If it's, naturally set up for a hyzer angle and you like to throw hyzer angle throw the hyzer angle um mm -hmm. if even if it's if it's like a clear dead straight shot but you're not really a dead straight shot person you can kind of fudge it a little bit but i i encourage you guys to to learn you know those basic types of angles so you can throw those shots how they're set up and how they're they're naturally supposed to be. Yeah. And also setting yourself up for your next shot, like thinking a step ahead. Yeah. Like what do I have to do to get to the basket in like three or four or or whatever, two if it's a par three. Right? How do I set myself up later on in the yeah. hole? Um so yeah, just think about like all those kinds of things and I mean try out different shots. Um there's a lot there's a lot of fun ones to throw. Uh, also, some of the some of the uh, shots might be a little like funky, and so like, if your elbow or shoulder or anything starts hurting, 
you're probably overdoing it. So yeah. that's a good time to stop. <laughs> yeah, because for... it is a weird sport, and we do uh, swing our arms in a lot of different directions, and uh, it can. If you're if you're feeling some pain, it's a that's a t- good time to stop. <laughs> that that actually makes me think. Um, there are two stories that emphasize that point really well. Is one, um, try to remember which pro it was, but I watched a I watched a form video that some guy was talking about uh, the, the snap of a of a throw, and he's an old pro. He's been playing for a long time, and he was you know talking about how you really want to grip the disc hard and you want um, you want that snap to to add a bunch of distance to your throw, but then he starts talking about how you know everybody in the days when he was playing professional used to make fun of him or 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 laugh with him rather because blood would come out of his fingertips because of how much snap he had on his disc. It's like, uh, okay, maybe that's good. Maybe that's not good. <laughs> um, and then also it makes me think of just, just this season um, in the pro world, Eagle McMahon um, is a really, really one of the highest rated players, um, and he's got one of the best forehands in the world. But he was in practice, and he, he was trying to throw – 360 forehands which oh, trying to like that does not sound great <laughs> it you know it's a fun shot you, you do a full circle rotation and try and rip a forehand as far as you possibly can and sometimes it goes far but sometimes like eagle's case you injure yourself <laughs> and then you can't throw forehand at all um so definitely just take care of yourself with the so type of shot flexibility in his elbow too i know yeah I, he looks like he's gonna snap his yeah, every arm single off time every he time he throws forehand. a forehand <laughs> absolutely so yeah absolutely take take the shots that you should um yeah. don't 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 strain yourself too terribly much um and you'll you'll do fine all right now we're gonna get into uh some disc golf terminology or slang bring on the slang uh there's a lot of like small things that we say that mean like something very specific. Yeah. Um so you'll hear a lot of these and it was there there are so many. There there are a lot. So uh, we're not going to go over all every single slang into the disc golf world but probably just the most common ones that you'll hear. And if you hear one that you don't understand be like what does that mean? And uh, the person who said it will tell you. Yeah, and if if you ever have any questions whether you're listening to this or not just post on the Reddit, the subreddit, our disc golf. Uh, everybody's on there in the disc golf world practically, and somebody will answer your question. Um, and they're super kind. Anyway, let's get into some of them. So the first ones are terms for, you know, too far, too short, too left, and too right. I feel like there are the most for too far. Like, yeah. there are so many from, you know, dang, you crushed it, to you juiced it, to... Um, I don't really go with juiced that's it. That's smash. That's... that's cr- you know, squashed, whatever. Squashed. Most of the times that just, if it sounds like something that's really powerful, it's most likely you threw it really, really far. Um, yeah. Yeeted it. Yeah, you yeeted it, whatever. Um, well, just that's not obliterated. Just, like, um, like destroyed it. Absolutely. Um, those are, I like juiced. Juiced is my yeah, favorite, no, juiced, I think. Juiced is by far. And yeah, juiced and crushed, I feel like they're the most common ones. Um, when it's too short, um, there are a couple I can think of. You know, um, you softed it, or uh, you uh, 
I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't so really struggle with going too far. <laughs> well, yeah. We, well, it's also so much easier to think of these terms when, we, uh, when, we're, playing. when we're playing. Yeah. Um, I like my favorite one that I'm trying to get people to say is you shrimped it. You shrimped it. <laughs> That's my favorite. No. All right. I'll, no, I'll, I'll add that to Thank my you. vocabulary. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. You, you shrimped it. <laughs> um, if you go to left um, on a right hand backhand, that's uh, you you sawed it off. Um, typically, you know, if you're trying to throw it straight and you go not straight, it's and you go to the left, it's like you, you sawed it off or you you shorted it or, or something like that. Um, if you go to the right, it means you pulled it. Uh, that's the most common one that people say. Um, or uh, I turned it over my hand. Yeah, turned it over. Yeah, I, I grip locked um, is one that you'll hear pretty often some people have a death grip on the disc and it causes a late release yep yep grip lock that's a very common one that you'll hear um some other just kind of random terms um parked is a big one that you'll hear that's a that's more Mm -hmm. of a factual uh term than than slang um means that you're within 10 feet from the basket off your tee shot um so try and park holes parked is awesome you want to park um Pured is a is a good one. Um, like that's a really great term for if you're maybe in the woods or you just have a really straight line and you throw it kind of perfectly. Like you pured that shot. Yeah. Um, and then another one is like sit. So uh, you'll hear people yell at their disc like they'll say sit 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 sit. Uh, <laughs> so what they want the disc to do is just fall down straight. So like think of it like a like a flying saucer coming into land. Like it just it's it's above and then it just flo- floats like straight down. Uh, that's what sit means. And then yeah. um, another one, which I think uh, you mentioned it, but uh, a spike. So mm-hmm. like a hyzer spike. So that's just like throwing on a really steep angle so that it spikes into the ground. And then uh, you also get tombstones from that. Yep. So a tombstone is uh, when the disc sticks into the ground straight up or close to straight up. Um, and then, uh, chained out. So yeah, that's okay. when, uh, you, the heartbreaker yeah, slang, the heartbreaker. <laughs> What's the one for the band? Uh, doinked it. You doinked it. <laughs> you doinked it. <laughs> yeah. Because of the sound that it makes when you hit the band. That's Absolutely. one of the most disappointing sounds. And yep. if you haven't heard it yet, just wait. You'll, you'll hear it. You'll doink a couple. Um, but chaining out is, uh, when you hit the chains and then the chains like pretty much deflect the disc. Or uh, spits through yeah. the chains and falls out of the basket and it doesn't count. Yeah, it hits the chains, doesn't go in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, the last term is more of a technical term as well. Um, so you'll hear someone say, oh, it's in the circle or it's in circle two or circle one or something like that. What they're referring to is um, essentially the disc golf green. Um, when you're within 66 feet, you're considered on the green. Um, like kind of like putting in golf, you know, they've got that, that manicured area. It's not going to be manicured, manicured in disc golf. Um, but if you're 66 feet from the pin, you're on the green, but they're, the green is considered two different circles. Um, and the circles are the first concentric circle is 33 feet from the pin. And that's the, that's usually what people refer to when they say you're inside the circle, you're inside circle one. Um, and that's really the ideal you're, you want to be in that off your tee if you can, if it's a par three. Um, and then 66 feet is circle two. Um, so if someone makes a putt or if you're trying to make a putt from anywhere between 33 feet and 66 feet, you're making a putt from circle two, um, which is really impressive. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so that's, 
that's the basic disc golf slang and terminology that you should probably know. Um, there might be a couple more that we've missed, um, but you'll you'll learn them. Or like I said, go on the the subreddit and ask someone. Someone will. I'm sure someone's put up a, a list of all disc golf slang somewhere. Yeah. Um, so we want to jump into some of the most important rules that you need to know um, while you're playing, um, if you're going to play some tournaments, um, stuff like that. Um, and then also we'll, we'll end with some etiquette. Um, so the first couple rules is um, that you're going to encounter most is often in jump putts. So like we just talked about in circles, um, circle one, 33 feet, um, if you are on that line and inside of 33 feet, you are not allowed to jump or fall in front of your disc when you're putting. Um, you have to keep at least one foot behind your lie, which is where your disc ends up, um, basically on a nine by 11 space. Um, so basically think of like you have a sheet of paper behind the back edge of your disc. Um, that is where your foot is allowed to be. And your, one of those, one of your feet has to stay planted in that square or rectangle until your disc comes to rest wherever it is. Um, and you're, you're not allowed to get any closer. You can essentially like step to the side if you have to, if your momentum takes you there. But as long as you don't cross closer with any part of your body and touch ground closer to the basket, you're, you're fine. But Outside of 33 feet, you're allowed to jump at the basket or whatever direction you want, and your feet can come off the ground as long as you throw and release the disc before your any part of your body touches the ground again after you jump. Um, so that's super important. Um, yeah, you want to talk about the next one? Yeah, throwing your Y. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, only throw your disc. Um, <laughs> right. But I mean, if you see somebody else's disc... Uh, and like they're not playing with you like leave it um or ask if you see them throw it um and we'll we'll cover i'll cover uh lost discs as well right after this um but um your feet placement uh when you're throwing um like james said uh your feet placement is essentially a sheet of paper uh behind your disc uh, but something that not a lot of people know uh, is you can take another disc and put it in front of uh, of your lie and pick up uh, the disc that you just threw. And the front of your disc is actually becomes the new uh, place where you can put your foot. So you get like an extra eight inches, yeah, whatever eight the inches. width of the disc is. Um, but uh, you can do that as well. Throwing off the T-pad, um, as, you, as you throw, uh, you can start anywhere. Um, but even off the teapot, yeah, even off the teapot, off the back, off the side, doesn't matter. But when you are actually throwing, you must stay on the teapot. Um, and same, same rules apply, uh, with like the, the jump putt, like you can't be off the front of the teapot before you release, um, your disc. But after you release it, you can like have your momentum carry you off the front of the teapot, yep. um, or off the side, wherever you go. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and basically just as long as some part of your foot is touching the concrete, if it's concrete tees or, or, or whatever kind of tee it is, um, while you're throwing it until the disc is out of your hands, you're fine. Um, you're, 
your foot can essentially slip off after that. But if your foot, say you're running up to the front of the tee pad and your foot, your front foot slips off the front or you place it in front of the, the designated tee area, that's considered a footfall. Um, and you don't want to do that. Footfall would also be if you're inside the circle and you step forward anyway or jump putt inside the circle, that's considered a footfall. Or if, you're, if your foot is outside of that sheet of paper area when you're trying to throw, that's a footfall. Um, and, and I mean, if, if you're just like playing for fun or whatever, like footfalls don't necessarily matter as much. Yep. But it is something to like, it's a rule that you need to know, especially if you're trying to play um, even like local tournaments or right. leagues or whatever. Yeah. Um, and a note on that though is disc golf is really interesting and it's still growing. And it's this is one of the growing pains of disc golf. But um, because there are really no officials other than other players with disc golf, and there, there are no you know referees or anything like that. It's all based on what you call on yourself and what your card mates call on you. Um, it's there. There are some growing pains. One of those is foot faults. You know, you will very, very, very rarely see or hear someone call a footfall, and you'll probably rarely call it yourself. One because people really most of the time aren't paying attention to where someone actually puts their foot, but two. Unless someone is trying to really genuinely like take advantage of a lie and gain an advantage, they're not going to be really getting an advantage if they footfall. Um, so if you step on your disc or you're a couple inches outside of your lie area, you're not, you're not, you're, it's not going to change your shot so much that it's really usually worth a stroke in penalty. So even, you know, you might be watching pro coverage and you might see someone put their foot, you know, two feet to the left of their, their lie, but no one calls them on it because it's really not that big of a deal. Um, I personally have just kind of determined that unless I feel like someone is, you know, like trying to say that they're behind their lie, but they're like four feet in the woods and trying to be sneaky about getting around a tree or something and they're taking advantage of it, I'm not going to call them. I mean, you can if you want to, and it's definitely your your prerogative to do so. In, in the next couple of years, you might see people pushing for trying to do that more. Um, but it's really up to you. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those areas that's definitely just, it's a newer sport. They're still critiquing all the rules, trying to figure out what the system is best for. Um, but definitely... If you are going to call someone on it, someone else on your card has to second that call and has to agree with your call for that to to count. Um, you can't use video footage or anything like that. It has to be all real time in person. Um, yeah, so just something to keep to keep in mind. Um, and then the next thing we're going to talk about is turn order. So um, initially, at the beginning of a round, um, it doesn't matter who goes first. Um, Unless it's specified by yeah. the the card or the the tournament or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, after the first hole, everyone will have their score. Uh, whoever has the uh, lowest score, meaning the the best score, uh, will go first on the next hole. And then after that, say two people, say one person, say it's a group of four, uh, par three, like two par threes back-to-back back. Uh, one person gets uh, two one person gets three and then two people get four so a birdie par and two bogeys and so then the next hole uh, say two people get birdies 
uh, one person gets par, one person gets bogey. The two people that got birdies, if one of them is the person that had a birdie before, that person would go first on the third hole. Yep. And then it would go in order. So it's how you do on the previous hole and the hole before that. Um, yeah, so like essentially, you know, whoever has had the most recent low score. Um, yeah, so, so even yeah. if the person that's in last place on the card uh, does better on a hole, they will go first on the next hole. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's how that works. And you do that for the entirety of the round. And it, this is where UDISC really comes in handy because yeah. UDISC um, keeps track of all that for you. Yep. Um, so you don't have to like worry about that and everyone can have their rounds scored. And um, so yeah, and then the, the next thing is uh, oh. Out of Bounds, or OB, and Mandos. You want to talk about that, James? Yeah, sure. So, they're, on different courses, there are going to be areas um, that are considered out of bounds or um, certain structures that are considered mandatories. Um, so, out of bounds is going to be pretty clear most of the time. Um, a lot of courses will have, like, a river or a lake or a pond or something on it, and almost, almost always big bodies of water are considered out of bounds. Um, so if you throw into a pond or into a lake or, or into a river, um, there is going to be usually either a line that is painted or used like with flags or string or something that's near the edge of that water um, or area. Um, and you will basically take your lie and put it wherever the last point that you crossed inbounds was. So if you throw into the river, um, you're going to go to the point where your card agrees was the last place your disc was flying above land that was considered inbounds. Um, so this is really tough sometimes because say you're you're required to throw a 300-foot shot over a pond straight. You know, if you don't make it all the way across the pond and you go in, you are pretty much out of bounds the entire time. So you're only going to move forward a little bit um, up to the edge of the water. So just something really important. Um, all tournaments or leagues or something will have OB rules specific to the course. Um, even, you know, sometimes the course is built and places are considered out of bounds. Um, but tournament directors can choose what they want to be out of bounds. So sometimes they'll play certain water as OB that wouldn't typically be or vice versa. They won't play it as it typically would be. So just um, read the read the rule book for that tournament or um, usually on T signs, each hole will have what's considered out of bounds uh, marked it on it. If it has a map on it, um, stuff like that. So uh, they're, they're usually pretty well marked. Um, if not, you're and you think you throw out of bounds, um, or it looks like you throw out of bounds, your whole, the rest of your card mates will decide where to put you and if or not you were out of bounds. Um, they will have to agree on it. Um, mandatories are a pretty cool feature sometimes. Sometimes they're really te terribly annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, it's usually, so a mandatory is a arrow or a, a certain point on the hole in which you are required to throw a certain direction. Um, so most of the time they're trees or like light poles or, or something like that that point you to, to go in a certain direction. If your drive or your shot goes outside of that, that marker that's telling you to go a certain direction, um, you will lose a penalty stroke and you will be required to take your shot from 
the edge of that mandatory, um, which is a new way that they started playing holes now. Um, so watch out for that. Um, sometimes you'll have double mandos, which is like you have to go between two structures. Like a gate. Right, yeah, like a gate or two trees yeah. um, or something. Or you can even have triple mandos, which is like a big doorway or, or frame or, or something where you have to go through all three. You have to go in between the two side ones and under the top one, um, which is a pretty cool feature on some holes. Um, yeah. Most of the time they do OB and uh, mandatories just because there's, you know, most disc golf courses are in public parks and they don't want you throwing towards civilian areas or parking lots or stuff like that. Um, and then another connected idea is drop zones so if you have um, mandatories or ob on certain courses um, that is really tough or um, would provide precarious footing if you tried to take it from just where you crossed inbounds last um, the course or the tournament will provide drop zones uh, which is basically a designated area for you to take your next shot if you throw out of bounds or miss a mandatory um, so those rules for what when you play a drop zone and how you play a drop zone um, are determined based on the tournament directors and staff and they'll they'll let you know or give you some kind of rule sheet that will explain drop zones and their usage for that tournament um, so basically yeah the next one that we're going to talk about is etiquette we want to talk about etiquette because disc golf is supposed to be a friendly sport and a sport that we enjoy playing and etiquette makes it a lot easier um this is for both tournament coverage or tournament rounds and for casual rounds um the first couple things that we want to talk about is losing your disc as heartbreaking as it is to lose your disc there are certain amount of time that you want to spend looking for your disc whether that's in in round or you know casual round if you're playing with friends or you're playing by yourself by all means take as much time as you want to look for a disc um, but if, you know, if another group comes behind you and is waiting for you to find a disc and it's looking like it's going to take you a long time, let them play through. Um, play through is a big, big idea in disc golf. Um, when you're playing in a busy place or just you're playing at a place where you're playing a certain speed and you're kind of limited to that certain speed, whether you're just still learning or you've got a big group or you've got kids or something um you want to step aside or just pause your game and let the people behind you play through you and play the hole and then move on to the next hole um, it's the most courteous thing to do it's really um really nice and it's kind of this the unspoken standard for disc golf so definitely yeah. do that um or you know uh, don't be afraid to, if you're playing really fast and you come up on another group who's playing slow, um, especially if it seems like they're newer, um, but even if they're not, just you don't be afraid to ask, hey, do you guys mind if we play through real quick? Um, people are almost always really just kind and, and we're like, yeah, totally, go go for it. Yeah, because um, they, they want to they move at their own speed. Right. And so if you're going faster than they are, then like they'll feel rushed. Yeah. Um, if you're behind them, always waiting on them. So, like, letting them play at their own speed, like, asking if you can pass instead of, like, you getting impatient waiting on them and them feeling rushed because you're waiting behind them. It just makes it better for everyone involved. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, especially if, you know, they don't realize that you're there or if they've got yeah. new players or something like that. So, definitely do that. Large groups of children. Yep. <laughs> 
Um, another thing you want to do is turn order. Maybe when you're playing casual rounds, you can consider just like play and walk the speed of the person who's the farthest from the hole. So, you know, if yeah. you throw a really good shot, don't be a jerk and walk straight to your shot while everybody else is trying to throw behind you and around you. Um, just play with whoever is, is the farthest back and wait until, you know, everybody else gets up to where your shot is and then play your shot. Yeah, um, you can only play as fast as your slowest player. Absolutely. So yeah. Stick with them and, uh, like, don't get in their way and... Hopefully, like, if you're the last person, like, they won't get in your way. Right. Um, it, it's also just discouraging. I mean, if, if you throw a great shot and you go straight to your disc and you're waiting there in that position for a while while your your friend who hasn't played much or or just throws a bad shot has to, you know, throw three times to get up to where you are, uh, it can be, like, just super, super frat. Frad. <laughs> super. Super sad and frustrating. <laughs> um, new word, frad. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely do that. Um, when you're watching other people's shots, try to you know just be quiet if if they want you to. Um, most of the time, if you're in a tournament or if you're playing a league or something, and someone else is throwing, just shut up and don't be talking while yeah. they're throwing. Um, it's super distracting most of the time. Don't be moving around, um, and try and especially stay out of their sight line if possible. Yeah, sometimes if people are putting like. I just turn around, don't even look at them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it messes with people. It sometimes. does. Totally. Don't uh don't be throwing your shot at the same time as somebody else is mm-hmm. throwing their shot. Um don't try and putt at the same time. Please, please don't try and putt at the same time as someone else. They yeah. will get mad. Um if, especially if you're the closer one. Definitely. Um and somebody else is farther away trying to putt. Just stay out of the way, let them be. Um and let them finish uh their hole. Um, yeah. Before you take your final putt, um, and then finally, um, it's a really big thing um, with disc golf is you you will lose discs. Yeah. Um, everyone loses discs either in water or maybe throw it in tall grass and can't find it. Um, a lot of people will write their name and phone number on their discs um, so that if they're found by other people, um, uh, you can be called and. Uh, if it's a course you play all the time, they can either leave it somewhere or a lot of courses have like little drop boxes for discs. Um, so if you find somebody's disc and, uh, and it has their name on it, um, try, try giving them a call and give them a text be like, Hey, uh, I'm at this disc golf course and uh, I found your disc. Like, where would you like me to leave it or something? Yeah. Um, and some people will be like, Oh, like, I don't care about that disc. Like you just take it. Yeah. It's like, cool, you get a free disc. Absolutely. Um, but they like, always check with people, especially if there's a number on it. Um, if there's not a number on it, like look for a, a drop box for lost discs. And uh, if it's not your disc and it's in a drop box, don't take it out. Yeah, please don't take it out. You know, yeah. well, I, I, it's a big, big saying in the, the disc golf world that the course giveth and the course taketh away. <laughs> yes. Um, Sometimes so, the course taketh away a lot more than it giveth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So use your discretion. You know, if, if there seems like there's a brand new disc that's like right in the middle of a fairway, maybe leave it there because it was probably just thrown by someone or, you know, if it's getting dark, maybe take it and put it in a Dropbox or yeah. maybe even leave it in, in or on top of the basket of the hole that it was on, um, something like that. Uh, if, you know... If you go way out of your way to find something, you know, and it still has a phone number on it, I I would say still try and call it because most yeah. of the time the per- person is going to be like, oh, I didn't realize I lost that, you know, keep it anyway. Or, you know, if they 
get it back or if you get it back to them they're going to be super appreciative and you know you would want that for you if you lost your disc yeah, i have absolutely. several discs that i never thought i would see again that someone mm -hmm. um called me and was like hey i found your disc and i was like no way dude that's awesome like i just had one that was the first distance driver i ever owned um it was the first thing i ever won playing disc golf that i lost a year ago and one of my wife's professors plays disc golf in the area and his son found it and it's been in his bag for a while and he finally realized that <laughs> yeah. it was my name on it and then he realized that my name was the same name as his student's name and so it got back to me and i was super <laughs> excited because it was you know a super sentimental disc to me that i had lost so super cool um so do that for sure that's that's a lot of it guys um you know a lot of it is being kind being courteous um think about others put others first um when you're playing disc golf and and encourage them and and do stuff like that um for sure well that's all we have for today um thank you guys so much for listening i want to bring it back um just a quick devo again um just we are disc disciples but we're also disciples. That's because we're <laughs> disciples. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We love him and he loves us. Um, and we want disc golf to, to be a place where Jesus is proclaimed um, as Lord. So something that I've thought about a lot um, in the past little while is just the identity that we have as disc golfers. Um, disc golf is such a proud thing for so many people. We love disc golf. We represent disc golf we talk about it we make podcasts about disc golf <laughs> and we represent it um in a really beneficial and positive way um and as much as we are disc golfers we are disciples of jesus christ first we are christians and believers mm -hmm. first and that should come first in a lot of ways um you know don't i i have been guilty myself of putting disc golf first in a lot of times and um, I've had to take breaks from it. I've had to <laughs> really pray about it um, because I love disc golf and disc golf is super fun. Um, but it doesn't come above our faith. It doesn't come above um, who we are in Christ. Um, so other something about that is like, you know, disc golf is something that we have in common with so many other people. When you're out on a course, you're going to have the ability to relate and, and talk to and get to know other people that have the same passion as you and love the same game as you. And that's a huge opportunity that we have when, you know, we can present the gospel to someone on a course, it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, even if you're in a tournament or, or something like that, you know, obviously use discretion and use kindness and don't throw Jesus in the face of disc golfers. Um, but definitely represent your faith. Um, I've really appreciated a couple guys on Jomez that have been doing this lately. Um, Mason Ford did it um, a couple weeks ago. Um, he really, talked about his faith um, in his Jomez interview when he was on lead card in the second round. Um, and then just this past week at J Jonesboro, um, Alden Harris, who is uh, a local uh, prodigy for player from, from Georgia. I've played with him a couple times. Isaac Robinson, um, who goes to TFC, um, our favorite pro. Um, he's up and coming. He's one of the best in the world right now. He and his brother and Alden grew up together. And um, Alden is scored the best shot or the best best round the first round so he got an interview on jomez and really really talked about how his faith is so central to him as a player and him as a person um and really really not unshamelessly unshame unashamedly um just represented his faith and i i love that and i'm super encouraged by that so yeah definitely there, yeah. there are always opportunities to uh bring your faith into i mean not just disc golf but like 
like whatever you do, whether it's like your job or school, like there are always opportunities to like talk about your faith and talk about Christ. And you just got to be like open to, to talking about it because, um, those opportunities present themselves in like the strangest ways and at times that you're not expecting. Totally. So yeah, absolutely guys. Well, we, we appreciate you guys. Um, and we hope that you enjoyed the third episode of the disc disciples podcast. And we'll um, see you next time. Absolutely. Come keep back. Flinging next time. plastic. Keep crushing. Keep juicing. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep juicing. It. Don't shrimp it. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll catch you in the next one.